Chapter Nine of Book Two of De Anima by Aristotle, translated by R. D. Hicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Chapter Nine of smell and the object of smell it is less easy to speak definitely than of the senses above mentioned for the nature of odour is by no means so clear as is the nature of sound or of colour the reason is that this sense in us is not exact but inferior to that of many animals in fact man has a poor olfactory sense and perceives none of the objects of smell unless they be painful or pleasant which implies that the organ is wanting in accuracy it is reasonable to suppose that animals with hard eyes perceive colour in the same vague way and do not distinguish the varieties of colour except in so far as they do or do not inspire fear and this is the way in which mankind perceive odours for it would seem that while there is an analogy to taste and the varieties of flavour answer to the varieties of smell our sense of taste is more exact because it is a modification of touch and the sense of touch is the most exact of man's senses in the other senses man is inferior to many of the animals but in delicacy of touch he is far superior to the rest and to this he owes his superior intelligence this may be seen from the fact that it is this organ of sense and nothing else which makes all the difference in the human race between the natural endowments of man and man for hard-skinned men are dull of intellect while those who are soft-skinned are gifted as with flavours so with odours some are sweet some bitter but in some objects smell and flavour correspond for example they have sweet odour and sweet flavour in other things the opposite is the case similarly too an odour may be pungent irritant acid or oily but because as we said above odours are not as clearly defined as the corresponding flavours it is from these latter that the odours have taken their names in virtue of the resemblance in the things thus the odour of saffron and honey is sweet while the odour of thyme and the like is pungent and so in all the other cases again smell corresponds to hearing and to each of the other senses in that as hearing is of the audible and inaudible in sight of the visible and invisible so smell is of the odorous and inodorous by inodorous may be meant either that which is wholly incapable of having odour or that which has a slight or faint odour the term tasteless involves a similar ambiguity further smell also operates through a medium namely air or water for water animals too whether they are or are not possessed of blood seem to perceive odour as much as the creatures in the air since some of them also come from a great distance to seek their food guided by the scent hence there is an obvious difficulty if the process of smell is everywhere the same and yet man smells when inhaling but does not smell when instead of inhaling he is exhaling or holding his breath no matter whether the object be distant or near or even if it be placed on the inside of the nostril 
the inability to perceive what is placed immediately on the sense-organ man shares with all animals what is peculiar to him is that he cannot smell without inhaling this is made plain by experiment consequently bloodless animals since they do not breathe might be thought to have a distinct sense other than those commonly recognized but we reply that is impossible since it is odour which they perceive for perception of odour be it fragrant or noisome constitutes smelling moreover it is found that these bloodless animals are destroyed by the same powerful odours as man such as asphalt brimstone and the like it follows then that they do smell but not by inhaling breath it would seem again that in man the organ of this sense differs from that of the other animals as his eyes differ from those of hard-eyed animals man's eyes have in the eyelids a sort of screen or sheath and without moving or opening them he cannot see while the hard-eyed animals have nothing of the kind but at once see whatever is taking place in the transparent medium so too it seems the organ of smell in some animals is unenclosed just as is the eye but in those which take in the air it has a curtain which is removed in the process of inhaling by dilation of the veins and passages and this is the reason why animals which breathe cannot smell in the water for it is necessary for them to take in breath before smelling and this they cannot do in the water odour is included under that which is dry as flavour under that which is moist and the organ of smell is potentially dry also chapter ten the object of taste is a species of tangible and this is the reason why it is not perceived through a foreign body as medium for touch employs no such medium either the body too in which the flavour resides the proper object of taste has the moist which is something tangible for its matter or vehicle hence even if we lived in water we should still perceive anything sweet thrown into the water but our perception would not have come through the medium but by the admixture of sweetness with the fluid as is the case with what we drink but it is not in this way namely by admixture that colour is perceived nor yet by emanations nothing then corresponds to the medium but to colour which is the object of sight corresponds to flavour which is the object of taste but nothing produces perception of flavour in the absence of moisture but either actually or potentially the producing cause must have liquid in it salt for instance for that is easily dissolved and acts as a dissolvent upon the tongue again sight is of the invisible as well as the visible for darkness is invisible and this too sight discerns as well as light and further of that which is exceedingly bright which is likewise invisible though in a different way from darkness similarly hearing has to do with noise and silence the former being audible the latter inaudible and further with loud noise to which it is related as vision is to brightness a loud and a violent sound being in a manner just as inaudible as a faint sound the term invisible be it noted is applied not only to that which it is wholly impossible to see which corresponds to other cases of the impossible 
but also when a thing has imperfectly or not at all its natural properties answering to the footless and the kernelless so too taste has for object not only that which can be tasted but also the tasteless by which we mean that which has little flavour or hardly any at all or a flavour destructive of the taste now in flavour this distinction is supposed to start with the drinkable and the undrinkable both are tastes of a sort but the latter is poor or destructive of the faculty of taste while the former is naturally adapted to it the drinkable is the common object of touch and of taste but since the object of taste is moist the sense organ which perceives it must be neither actually moist nor yet incapable of becoming moist for taste is acted upon by the object of taste as such the organ of taste then which needs to be moistened must have the capacity of absorbing moisture without being dissolved while at the same time it must not be actually moist a proof of this is the fact that the tongue has no perception either when very dry or very moist in the latter case the contact is with the moisture originally in the tongue just as when a man first makes trial of a strong flavour and then tastes some other flavour or as with the sick to whom all things appear bitter because they perceive them with their tongue full of bitter moisture as with the colours so with the species of flavour there are firstly simple flavours which are opposites the sweet and the bitter next to these on one side the succulent on the other the salt and thirdly intermediate between these the pungent the rough the astringent and the acid these seem to be practically all the varieties of flavour consequently while the faculty of taste has potentially the qualities just described the object of taste converts the potentiality into actuality chapter eleven the same account is to be given of touch and the tangible if touch is not a single sense but includes more senses than one there must be a plurality of tangible objects also it is a question whether touch is several senses or only one what moreover is the sense organ for the faculty of touch is it the flesh or what is analogous to this in creatures that have not flesh or is flesh on the contrary the medium while the primary sense organ is something different something internal we may argue thus every sense seems to deal with a single pair of opposites sight with white and black hearing with high and low pitch taste with bitter and sweet but under the tangible are included several pairs of opposites hot and cold dry and moist hard and soft and the like a partial solution of this difficulty lies in the consideration that the other senses also apprehend more than one pair of opposites thus in vocal sound there is not only high and low pitch but also loudness and faintness smoothness and roughness and so on in regard to colour also there are other similar varieties but what the one thing is which is subordinated to touch as sound is to hearing is not clear but is the organ of sense internal or is the flesh the immediate organ no inference can be drawn seemingly from the fact that the sensation occurs simultaneously with contact 
for even under present conditions if a sort of membrane were constructed and stretched over the flesh this would immediately on contact transmit the sensation as before and yet it is clear that the organ of sense is not in this membrane although if by growth it became united to the flesh the sensation would be transmitted even more quickly hence it appears that the part of the body in question that is the flesh is related to us as the air would be if it were united to us all round by natural growth we should then have thought we were perceiving sound colour and smell by one and the same instrument in fact sight hearing and smell would have seemed to us in a manner to constitute a single sense but as it is owing to the media by which the various motions are transmitted being separated from us the difference of the organs of these three senses is manifest but in regard to touch this point is at present obscure in fact the animate body cannot consist of air or water singly it must be something solid the only alternative is that it should be a compound of earth and of these elements as flesh and what is analogous to flesh profess to be consequently the body must be the naturally cohering medium for the faculty of touch through which the plurality of sensations is communicated that they are a plurality is made clear by touch in the case of the tongue for the tongue perceives all tangible objects and that at the same part at which it perceives flavour now if the rest of the flesh also had perception of flavour taste and touch would have seemed to be one and the same sense whereas they are really two because their organs are not interchangeable here a question arises all body has depth this being the third dimension and if between two bodies a third body is interposed the two cannot touch one another now that which is fluid is not independent of body nor is that which is wet if it is not itself water it must contain water but when bodies touch one another in the water since their exterior surfaces are not dry there must be water between them the water with which their extremities are flooded if then all this be true no one thing can possibly touch another in the water nor yet in the air for the air stands to the objects in the air as water to the things in water but this fact we are more apt to overlook just as aquatic animals fail to notice that the things which touch one another in the water have wet surfaces the question then arises is the mode of perception uniform for all objects or does it differ for different objects according to the prevalent view taste and touch operate by direct contact while the other senses operate at a distance but this view is incorrect on the contrary we perceive the hard and the soft also mediately just as much as we do the resonant the visible the odorous but the latter are perceived at a distance the former close at hand and this is why the fact escapes us since we really perceive all objects through a medium though in touch and taste we fail to notice this and yet as we mentioned above even if we perceived all objects of touch through a membrane without being aware of its interference we should be just in the same position as we are now with regard to objects in the water or in the air for as it is we suppose that we are touching the objects themselves and that there is no intervening medium 
but there is this difference between the tangible on the one hand and visible and resonant things on the other the latter we perceive because the medium acts in a certain way upon us while tangible objects we perceive not by any action upon us of the medium but concurrently with it like the man who is struck through his shield it is not that the shield was first struck and then passed on the blow but as it happened both were struck simultaneously and generally it would seem that the flesh and the tongue are related to the true sense-organ as are air and water to the organs of sight hearing and smell respectively but neither in the one case nor in the other would sensation follow on contact with the sense-organ for instance if a body that is white were placed on the outer surface of the eye which shows that the instrument that apprehends the tangible is within we should then get the same result as in the case of the other senses what is placed on the sense-organ we do not perceive what is placed on the flesh we do perceive therefore flesh is the medium for the faculty of touch it is then the distinctive qualities of body as body which are the objects of touch i mean those qualities which determine the elements hot or cold dry or moist of which we have previously given an account in our discussion of the elements and their sense-organ the tactile organ that is in which the sense called touch primarily resides is the part which has potentially the qualities of the tangible object for perceiving is a sort of suffering or being acted upon so that when the object makes the organ in actuality like itself it does so because that organ is potentially like it hence it is that we do not perceive what is just as hot or cold hard or soft as we are but only the excesses of these qualities which implies that the sense is a kind of mean between the opposite extremes in the sensibles this is why it passes judgment on the things of sense for the mean is capable of judging becoming to each extreme in turn its opposite and as that which is to perceive white and black must not be actually either though potentially both and similarly for the other senses also so in the case of touch the organ must be neither hot nor cold further sight is in a manner as we saw of the invisible as well as the visible and in the same way the remaining senses deal with opposites so too touch is of the tangible and the intangible whereby intangible is meant first that which has the distinguishing quality of things tangible in quite a faint degree as is the case with the air and secondly tangibles which are in excess such as those which are positively destructive each of the senses then has now been described in outline chapter twelve in regard to all sense generally we must understand that sense is that which is receptive of sensible forms apart from their matter as wax receives the imprint of the signet ring apart from the iron or gold of which it is made it takes the imprint which is of gold or bronze but not quay gold or bronze and similarly sense as relative to each sensible is acted upon by that which possesses colour flavour or sound not in so far as each of those sensibles is called a particular thing but in so far as it possesses a particular quality 
and in respect of its character or form the primary sense-organ is that in which such a power resides the power to receive sensible forms thus the organ is one and the same with the power but logically distinct from it for that which perceives must be an extended magnitude sensitivity however is not an extended magnitude nor is the sense they are rather a certain character or power of the organ from this it is evident why excesses in the sensible objects destroy the sense organs for if the motion is too violent for the sense organ the character or form and this as we saw constitutes the sense is annulled just as the harmony and the pitch of the lyre suffer by too violent jangling of the strings it is evident again why plants have no sensation although they have one part of soul and are in some degree affected by the things themselves which are tangible for example they become cold and hot the reason is that they have in them no mean no principle capable of receiving the forms of sensible objects without their matter but on the contrary when they are acted upon the matter acts upon them as well it might be asked whether what is unable to smell would be in any way acted upon by an odour or that which is incapable of seeing by a colour and so for the other sensibles but if the object of smell is odour the effect it produces if it produces an effect at all is smelling therefore none of the things that are unable to smell can be acted upon by odour and the same is true of the other senses nor can things be acted upon when they have the power of sensation except as they individually possess the particular sense required this may also be shown as follows light and darkness do not act upon bodies at all neither does sound nor odour it is the things which possess them that act thus it is the air accompanying the thunderbolt which rives the timber but it may be said things tangible and flavours do so act else by what agency are inanimate things acted upon or changed shall we then conclude that the objects of the other senses likewise act directly is it not rather the case that not all body can be affected by smell and sound and that the bodies which are so affected are indeterminate and shifting for example air for odour in the air implies that the air has been acted upon in some way what then is smelling besides a sort of suffering or being acted upon or shall we say that the act of smelling implies sense perception whereas the air after it has been acted upon so far from perceiving at once becomes itself perceptible to sense end of chapter twelve and end of book two recording in memory of mitchell edwards